Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Life Podcast, where together we explore this great big life that God has for us. I am so honored that you have chosen to uh, join me today. I am here in my office at work. I've moved the studio, which literally is just a microphone plugged into my cell phone, so it ain't nothing fancy. But I have moved the studio to my office at work because Boss Lady was actually driving me insane. So we're not going to have any encounters with Boss Lady, but we may have some cool encounters with my, my kids trying to bust in the office or something. So it'll be fun. We'll have a good time. We're talking about history lessons, part two. Um, and the, the whole idea of that is what we talked about last week. You have to walk through your history to get to your future. So if you haven't listened to history lessons, part one, I want to encourage you to go back right now, listen to that before you listen to this one. It'll make a lot more sense. But you have to walk through your history to get to your future. It's the whole premise on what we're talking about. And on the last episode, we talked about the importance of this isn't just to open up old wounds, but to finally heal from those wounds. Come on, is there somebody out there that wants to just be healed? Is there somebody out there that doesn't want to just uh, experience freedom in theory, but experience freedom in, in personal, actual experience, I want it. I've, ex- I've tasted it. I've experienced some of it and I want it in every area of my life. And the entire point of me doing this podcast is to hopefully, uh, provoke somebody else. I don't care if it's five people. I don't care if it's 5,000. If there's somebody out there who will decide through this, uh, through these ideas and the things that God has shown me, that they want to not experience a a relationship with me or or just hear a good word, but have a true experience with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and and walk in a deeper fellowship with him, then uh, that would just really make me pretty stinking excited. Come on, somebody. I'm excited. So we talked about this isn't just to open up old wounds, but it's to heal from these wounds. And through this process, our own independence is exposed. Holy Spirit walks us to the cross where we can come out of survival mode, forgive the people who have hurt us, and repent for our independence. We talked about all of that on the last episode. Go listen to it. So much there. It's so good. It's so powerful. It's so necessary for the body of Christ. How many people are walking walking around in our churches and they've tried to move on from the difficulty and the trauma and the pain of their lives and it's not working? We can put on a good Sunday face But when our head hits the pillow at night, we know that we're not truly free and we're not truly healed. So my desire is for uh, for myself and for the people around me to be truly free and truly healed. And we talked about last time how biblical forgetting, we don't just move on. We don't just forget. Well, I'm just going to forget about it. Just forget about it and move on. I'm just going to forget about it and move on. And and I'll tell you all how that worked out for me. Uh, It didn't work out very well. It, It worked out to a very tired and frustrated and uh, not very happy preacher. And so biblical forgetting is not pretending something never happened. It's dealing with what happened so that you can move forward. It's dealing with what happened so that you can move forward. And y'all, the cross of Jesus, the cross of Jesus Christ is the place where Jesus does it for us. He does it for us. It is this place of the great exchange. My trash for his treasure. My old for his new. It's where what used to control us is finished. I'm going to take a praise break right there. That That is some good news. Where what used to control us is finished. Once we go there, it's not that the problem just goes away. 
but we now have the choice to allow it to control us or not. See, the, the choice is not ours. I, I used to think if I just go to the cross of Jesus and, and, and repent and give it all to God, and uh, we used to have a cross in our church that we would nail things to. I think, you know, we would get a little slip of paper and write whatever it was, whatever sin or whatever pain or whatever unforgiveness, and you would nail it to the cross. And I would think as soon as I walked away that that problem was going to disappear. But it doesn't disappear. But what it does is it now gives me the power to walk in freedom, and that thing doesn't have to control me anymore. On this side of the cross, the, the, the side of the cross where we go and we truly give it to God and, and receive healing from him, on this side of the cross, true freedom is not just theory, but it's a reality. I, I want to say that to somebody that's listening. Freedom does not just have to be theory in your life. It can be an actual reality. But there's only one problem. So the problem is, is that flesh won't go to the cross. So the cross is the answer. The cross is, is the place where all of this happens. It's the great exchange. Our trash for his treasure. The problem is, is our flesh will not go to the cross. Instead, it will, here's what it'll do. Here's what I've done. Here's what you've done. Here's what we've all done. It will invent clever ways, a whole bunch of them, right? It'll invent all these clever ways to cope with our past instead of actually being healed from it. It's, it's, I've done it. You've done it. We've, we've all, we've all, we've all made this mistake. Our flesh is not going to go to the cross and give it to Jesus. That's not who's going to do it. The real us, the new man, the us that's created in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the earth, that's who can take this junk to the cross and receive forgiveness and also offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us. Our flesh will invent all the, all the, a whole bunch of clever ways for us to cope with our past instead of actually being able to heal from it. Galatians 5.16, it talks about our flesh and our spirit and their relationship. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. They are contrary. They are at odds with one another. They literally will not go with each other. Your flesh is never going to agree with your spirit, and your spirit is never going to agree with your flesh. And I think we can all agree that the solution, the, the, the source of our healing is at the cross of Jesus. Our flesh isn't going to take us there. It'll be our spirit that takes us there. And so uh, we all have a choice to make. Every single one of us have a choice to make. Are we going to allow who we really are to take us to our source of healing and our source of freedom, which is the cross, or are we going to allow our flesh to, to, to keep inventing clever ways for us to cope with the difficulties of our life? Because it'll offer us a million of them, right? A thousand of them. And, and I'm just going to list a couple of them today for, for you to think about and hopefully provoke something within you to see how you've been dealing with your own stuff. Y'all, my heart is to see people free, and I hope you can hear it. So how can I tell if I'm walking in the Spirit? I will respond. This is so, so good. This is so good. I love this. How can I tell if I'm walking in the spirit? I will respond to familiar feelings and situations in an unfamiliar way. I'm going to say that again. I will respond to familiar feelings and situations in an unfamiliar way. That's how you know if you're walking in the spirit or not. 
Flesh will offer you a thousand ways to move on from your past, but none of them will actually help heal you. It'll offer you a thousand ways to move on from your past. None of them will actually help heal you. When we, and it's, it's so good. So how do I know if I'm operating in the flesh or the spirit? And, and you know, I struggle with this question. And, and how do I know? I hear preachers talk about it and I hear people, flesh and spirit. When I respond to familiar feelings and situations in an unfamiliar way, it is going to feel weird going with your spirit because we've gone with our flesh for so long. But it's going to be a very familiar situation and you're going to respond to it in a very unfamiliar way. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes, and, uh, and and I don't want to really spend a lot of time, but I would love it if you got out a, a notepad, a piece of paper, whatever it is, take notes on your phone, because I'm going to give you seven ways, seven ways that my flesh has, uh, or, or that I have attempted in my flesh to move on from my past, and none of them helped heal me. None of them helped uh, provide freedom for me. They were just coping mechanisms that had nothing to do with the power of the cross of Jesus, had nothing to do with forgiveness, had nothing to do with repentance. They were ways that my flesh invented for me to move on without the help of God. And that is not God's goal. God's goal is not just for us to be free. It's, it's for us to have our freedom in him, in our relationship with him, in our oneness with him. And so I just want to give you seven things real quick. Write these down. And these are things that I have actually done to try to cope with my past that uh, did not provide any reprieve from the frustrations of my life. And I, I wonder if maybe all of these, one of them, three of them, I don't know. Uh, but ask God, have I tried any of these things? And then maybe while I'm talking about some of these things that I've done, he would show you uh, something that's not on my list of seven things. I definitely have tried more than seven things, but these are just seven things that I think uh, probably a lot of us will have in common. Maybe, maybe not, but we shall see. The first thing that I have uh, tried to do, I'm going to go through these pretty quick. So jot these down and then pray about them. The first thing that I believed would heal me uh, or would help me cope with my past was time. Time. You've all heard the, the saying that time heals all wounds. But the longer I live and the more I, I experience, I believe, uh, and the more I read the Bible, the more I know God, I believe that this is one of the biggest lies that we could be told. Time heals all wounds. Can I tell you something? Time heals nothing. Time heals nothing. We think that time is going to separate us. And if we put enough time between us and the trauma, that we're going to be okay. But how many of you know that there can be 20 years between you and whatever you went through and the right situation happened, the right trigger happened, and you can be just as angry, just as bitter, just as enraged as you were the day that it happened. All of us have probably experienced something like that. Time does not heal all wounds. The scripture says that by his stripes, we are healed. We can't depend on time to do it. We have to depend on what Jesus provided on the cross. And that was himself. It says by his stripes, we are healed. I want to say this. There's no amount of time that can separate you from pain or from sin. No amount of time can separate you from pain or from sin. I was talking to somebody, uh, uh, 
I don't know, it's been maybe a year ago or so, and they could not believe that they had been born again for 20-something years, serving God, doing great, and they could not believe that they had literally stepped over 20 years or however many years it was of salvation and stepped right back into the exact same filth that God had stepped them out of or or delivered them out of. And the, the sentence that came out of their mouth was, I thought that enough time had passed that that would no longer be a temptation. Time doesn't heal anything. Only the cross of Jesus does. You are literally one step away from the cross, from returning to what you said you would never return to. You're one step away from the cross to being as angry and bitter and enraged about the difficulty that you went through as you were the day that it happened to you. Just put yourself in the right situation, the right triggers, the right custom uh, designed uh circumstance from the enemy and we can step over 20 years, 30 years, 10 years of time and step straight back into the thing that we thought we were delivered from because time heals nothing. Abiding with Jesus, staying with God, staying close to the cross of Jesus is what uh, provides healing in our lives. The second thing, so the first thing is time. Second thing that I have tried to do to to uh, deal with my my past is avoiding. Where are my people at? Somebody, somebody out there say, amen. I can't hear you, but I believe by faith you're saying it. Avoiding. I want to say this about avoiding. Avoiding eliminates the person or circumstance that caused you pain. And it turns into you causing yourself pain because now you're the one keeping yourself from healing. Because here's the deal. Healing happens in the difficult moments. Healing doesn't happen by avoiding the people. Healing happens by true freedom, true healing is when I can now be around that person if it's appropriate. I know there's times and situations where it's not appropriate, but when I can be around that person or in that situation and and the triggers are no longer controlling me, I can respond differently in a very, very familiar situation. And that takes walking in the spirit. So I'm not avoiding because what happens is I'm, I'm hurting myself when I'm avoiding these situations. And I, and I don't want this to come across wrong. If it's not a safe situation, if it's a totally unhealthy situation, I'm not saying go jump back in all this stuff. But if we're avoiding people, places, and things that could, could cause us to uh, jump back into some of, some of our difficulty, difficulty that we've tried to uh, move on from, then we're not leaning into the power of God and needing literally his life and his provision in those moments of difficulty to, uh, to, to help sustain us. And so I think that's where true growth and true maturity comes. So it's like, maybe, maybe you have a spouse and and y'all avoid certain topics and situations because you know that if we discuss that topic, that it's going to end badly because it's a trigger for us to go back to uh, some difficult times in our life. It's like it's like we live in this game of, y'all remember the game Operation? You know what I'm talking about? Where the entire point of the game was to take those little tweezers and pull out the, uh, this is a weird game to describe, y'all. To pull out those body parts, the leg, bone, and the heart out of that dude. And go look up Google, the game Operation, right? And, and the whole point was to avoid those tweezers touching the side of the of the deal, because if you touch the tweezers on the side of the deal, 
it would make a buzzing noise. And that's the way we live our lives. We live our lives trying to keep from the, the buzzing noise from having from happening. But true freedom is to be able to hit the side and the buzzing noise doesn't happen. And that only comes through healing from Jesus. So time avoiding, uh, what are you avoiding that's keeping you from having to lean into the power of God? See, that's independence. I avoid, so I don't have to lean into the power of God. I'm depending on myself to move forward instead of depending on God. So time avoiding, here's a big one that I did, helping other people with their problems. I don't know where you are or what you do, but I am a pastor um, and intend to continue on in that calling in my life. And uh, part of my job is to help people when they're in the middle of difficulty. And But see, here's what I thought helping other people with their problems. I thought that if I helped people with their problems, that that meant I didn't have any problems. I'm going to just, I'm just telling on myself. Is that okay? I thought that as long as I was helping people through their stuff, that that meant that I didn't have any of my own stuff and which could not have been further from the truth and uh, because we all know the saying, it's that hurt people hurt people. And so me trying to find my, and flesh will let, let it, it'll let me do this. I, I literally believe that I was okay with so much of my stuff because I was helping so many people. But the truth of the fact that hurt people hurt people is that uh, I was hurting and in my attempt to heal myself through helping other people. I was actually, I think a lot of times, uh, not helping people. I was probably hurting people myself that here's, here's what it is. If hurt people, hurt people, healed people, heal people. And I don't want to just help people to help people. I want what the Lord has literally worked in my own life, the healing that I have received from him. I want that to ooze out of my life and be the healing that other people receive. Because I, I really, truly, I don't want to just help people. I want to point people to Jesus. I want to point people to a deeper relationship with him because that is where true freedom and healing comes from. Not because you had a meeting with me or heard a good sermon or a good podcast. That's not healing. That's not freedom. Freedom would be if you hear the sermon, hear the podcast, and you hear the healing that's taken place in my life, and you go to the source where I got it from, which is the cross, which is Jesus, and you receive it for yourself. Hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. The best thing that we can do for the people around us is to be healed. That's the best thing we can do for the people around us. It's to be healed ourselves. I love what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you go to him and love him and receive his love, then you're going to be able to love people the way that you've been loved. And here, here's, here's, the, here's the, the, the truth of it. And, and uh, I tried to do this for so long. And it was so frustrating. It, it, the truth of it is, is I can't give someone something that I'm not willing to receive for myself. And, and the more I think about it, I think, how crazy is flesh? How crazy is the devil? But what a plan. 
What a plan he has to get us trying to help people while neglecting our own health. What, to, get, to, get, to get preachers and, 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 and church workers and everybody out there trying to, to help all these people, but we're, we're not healthy ourselves. We're not passing on what we've received from the Lord. We're trying to give somebody something they should have, not something that we've received for ourselves. I can't give someone something I'm not willing to receive for myself. I want to receive it. I want to give out of the deep well of what God has poured into me. That's my heart. So we've got time avoiding helping other people with their problems. These are all things flesh allowed me to do without going to the cross. Um, Number four, self-improvement. And when I say self-improvement, I'm talking about, it's like having opposite feelings. It's like, uh, what I mean by that is, is there's, there's a saying that Rachel loves. It's the opposite of my problem is not the solution. I think she said that in her, in her podcast that she was uh, in with me. The opposite of my problem is not the solution, right? So flesh, and what that boils down to is flesh will allow you to flip. And what are you talking about when you say that? If, if, I, if I was called fat, then my solution would be to get skinny. If, if someone told me that I was worthless, then my solution would be uh, to find someone who would tell me that I'm valuable. But, but see, that's just the opposite of my problem. And the opposite of my problem is not the solution. Improving myself, right? Whatever it is, whatever somebody told you, you're never going to make it. Well, all of a sudden now you're going to make it, right? I had a teacher when I was in the sixth grade tell me that, uh, you know, that I was never going to amount to anything because I was acting like a turd in class, I'm sure. But he literally told me that I was never going to amount to anything. And so now all of a sudden I have something to prove. He told me that I couldn't amount to anything. And, and now I'm going to live in this, I'm going to improve myself and prove that I can amount to something. And all that is, is flipping. It's independent from God. It's not, it's not allowing God to be the source of your life. It's literally reaching into the depths of your own strengths to move forward in your life. And so self-improvement, uh, I've done a lot of it. Your flesh will offer it to you. It's not going to heal you. You may look good to everybody else, but on the inside, you're still broken and, uh, you don't have to be number five. Uh, this is a big one, a critical spirit. I hope you're writing these things down. And then I want you to ask God, do I do any of these things? Critical spirit, obsessing over other people's faults. So I don't have to look at my own. Come on, somebody. I think that can probably piggyback on uh, helping people with their problems. But this critical spirit, uh, it's a little different because I'm not just like trying to be somebody's hero. Now I am like literally uh, thinking that I'm better than everybody that I'm around. I'm obsessing. If you've ever had a critical spirit, and I have, you obsess over other people's faults so that you don't have to look at your own. Romans 2 talks about it, how we, we, we uh, obsessively look at the faults of others trying to escape the faults that we have in our own lives. And, and, and so uh, that's, that's a big coping mechanism of trying to deal with pain in our own lives. Anytime you uh, find someone that has a critical spirit, really what they're just trying to do is cover up their own hurt trying to cover up their own pain. So, you know, uh, uh, one of the number one signs of a critical spirit, this was uh, something I, you know, could see in myself, is the people you like the best are the people you know the least. 
The people you like the best are the people you know the least because as soon as you get close to someone, you, you, you can't like them anymore because now you see all of their faults, you see all of their shortcomings, you see uh, deeper into their lives, and this is a sign of having a critical spirit. And a critical spirit is nothing more than trying to s- expose someone else's stuff to smooth over your own stuff, and it doesn't work. It doesn't bring healing. It doesn't bring freedom. Number six is shame. Gosh, so, so big. And this was probably one of the biggest uh, things that I had to and am having to deal with in my life. And what is shame? Shame is, it, it says that something is wrong with me. Fundamentally, I am broken. Something is wrong with me. And when somebody is operating in shame, and it has to do with their past, then really what shame says is something's wrong with me and that gave them the right to do whatever they did to me. Isn't that sick? Isn't that crazy? Shame is a crazy is a crazy thing. And shame was literally uh, what framed my life. I lived my life through this lens of shame that, that was framed by that question, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why can't I get my act together? Why can't I move forward? Why can't I be like the people that seem to have it all together? What is wrong with me? And what that's saying is something must be broken inside of me that gave those people that hurt me the right to hurt me. And it is a lie from the pit of hell. Hebrews 12, 2 says that Jesus hated shame. He had to look shame in the face when he went to the cross. It says it, that he despised shame and he went and sat at the right hand of the father. He literally looked shame in the face and he despised it. He had to move on even though shame was uh, ridiculing him every step of the way, knowing that he was created in the image of God. And the only, listen, the only thing wrong with me, it wasn't what happened to me. It wasn't the, the sins that I committed. It, it, the only thing wrong with me was the fact that I tried to live my life apart from him. That is the, and, and, and as I come to him, I realize that he is my source of life. He is my source of identity. He is my source of joy. And shame, although it will never, y'all, shame will never stop whispering in our ears. It will never stop berating our minds, but we can despise it like Jesus did, quit allowing it to paralyze us and move forward in our lives. It is possible. I hate shame. I wanna, I'm going to do whole episodes about shame. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. My life was framed by the question, what's wrong with me? Not anymore. Look at somebody and say, glory. All right. Last one. And this piggybacks off of shame uh, because shame says something's wrong with me. And then it whispers to you, number seven, you try to focus on all the good qualities of the people that hurt us. See, this is how sick the enemy is. He, he, he tries to blame us he tries to demonize, shame demonizes us for what was done by literally the, the, the perpetrator. And then it twists around. I hope this makes sense. It twists around and it tries to, to uh, focus on all the good qualities of the people that hurt us. And this is what's so confusing about having to walk through uh, our past is sometimes we walk through our past and we're like, man, Yes, I can see where these people, where these situations inflicted pain in my life, but they were also so good and they were all, they have all these good qualities. And then there's this confusion and then there's more shame. What's wrong with me? And we're stuck in this sick cycle 
And I want to tell you something, trying to focus on all the good qualities of the person that hurts you is not going to heal you. Now, I'm not telling you have to hate anybody because remember, it's a, it's a two-part process. The whole point of walking through our history is number one, to expose independence. How did we learn to cope with the pain that was inflicted upon us? And number two, so that we can head to the cross, realize our own offense, and then forgive our offender. And y'all, I am literally living this out and walking this out right now. It's almost even hard for me to talk about because this is something that is so real in my life. So these seven things, I'm going to give them to you again. Write them down. Time. These are things that the, your flesh will offer you to help you cope with your past, but none of them heal you. Time. Avoiding. Helping other people with their problems self-improvement or having opposite feelings, a critical spirit, shame, and trying to focus on all the good qualities of the people that hurt us. And so those are the seven things that I wanted to talk about today. There's so many more than that, but uh, I just wanted to give those to you. And here's what I would like you to do with those. These are all the things that I can do without him, but they don't offer true freedom. They don't offer true healing. Uh, I would like you to take those seven things and pray and say, Father, have I tried to move on from my past using any of these uh, coping mechanisms? And if I have, show it to me so that I can repent, come to the cross and receive true healing and true freedom that comes from fellowship with you. And so, uh, and then ask him too, what else have I, what other areas of my life have I uh, tried to cope and move on without you. And so I think that there, a lot of freedom can come whenever we do this with God. And I, I, I definitely think, I encourage you in the last episode, do this with the Lord, uh, but also uh, find somebody that you trust, a, 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 a spiritual um, leader that you trust, somebody that could walk with you in these things. Because I think so much healing and so much freedom can come whenever we do this God's way. And so I hope that you'll take those, pray about them, and that the Holy Spirit will speak to you because your future is so big. Your future is so bright in him. And I know uh, that the enemy wants to keep you from it by keeping you locked up in your past, even if it seems like you've moved on from it, but, but you actually haven't. Hey, I hope this blessed you. I hope you got something from it. I would love to hear uh, what it is that the Lord is doing in your life. Hit me up. I'm praying for each of you. Uh, that God would just speak to you and do a great work in your life. I love y'all. Have a Jesus day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining in today on the Big Life Podcast. For more information about Colby, visit colbyhill.com or follow him on social media. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Once again, thank you for joining us on the Big Life Podcast, where together we explore the great big life God has for us.